Hello, welcome to the latest edition of the OK Preps Extra podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined by Barry Lewis. Barry, it's it's Monday, January 23rd. Uh, sorry about your Cowboys. I hope you're taking the season-ending loss okay now that Dallas' Dallas's season is over. I think I'm taking it better than a lot of other people are. Um, I've heard people talk about this, the most devastating Cowboys loss in their lifetime. Like, really? Okay, that's crazy talk. Really? I mean, yeah. I'm talking about the people who are like my age, and I'm thinking this is really more devastating than losing to San Francisco in at the end of the 81 season. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, this isn't even close to being the most devastating Cowboys playoff loss to San Francisco. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know what makes this loss more disappointing than the loss four years ago to the Rams. Mm-hmm are the one eight years ago to the Packers or six years ago to the Packers all in the divisional rounds. I mean, I don't get it. Um, and say if they would, would have won yesterday without Tony Pollard going into Philadelphia, forget it. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not, I mean, they're not going to win Tony Pollard. I mean, everyone is bringing up all these, these issues about yesterday, like the last play of the game are, are some things that are really, I think, really silly. Once they lost Tony Pollard, they were in the hole. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a reason he's a Pro Bowl running back, and no one's really talking about losing Tony Pollard to a broken leg. I mean, that was significant, along with Dak's two first-half interceptions. So, um, yeah, it was disappointing. But even if they win yesterday, it's like, without Tony Pollard, I don't see them having a chance at Philadelphia, the way Philadelphia played against the Giants. So, yeah, you got a uh, you got a Super Bowl pick, Barry. Well, if the Eagles play like they did the other night, I don't see anyone beating them. And I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts too. I, I became a, a fan of his when he when he came to OU for that year, and he's he's been a better pro than I thought he was going to be. So good to see him doing well. Yeah, do you think he'd be so much better than Baker Mayfield? Uh, no, I, I no, I did not think that. I thought Baker be a decent pro. I really, I really did. Not, not He's so much decent. Pro. And I would, I will say Baker Mayfield is a decent pro, but he was supposed to be more than decent. Yeah, I thought he was going to be better than the decent, but you know. All right, let's talk a little high schools, Barry. So coming off the the final tournament week uh, of the high school season. Uh, you so what your your biggest takeaway from last week's tournament week was what some super individual performances Parker Fredrickson Bixby of course he's Notre Dame signee he uh he just lit it up last week 138 points in four games at the Roper and Will Rogers Roper Invitational he was unstoppable averaging 34 plus points a game um Bixby's riding high, 12 and 3 right now. I mean, Parker Fredrickson's doing what you would expect him to do. Um, just a tremendous year so far for him. And looking forward to seeing him play tomorrow night at Broken Arrow. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a blockbuster. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Jalen Montanati, who Bill Hastings going to be writing about. Super performance at a tournament in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Averaged uh, over 23 points a game there, was the MVP of that tournament. 
and um, Owasso knocked off a team with a couple of D1 players and the best team they've seen all year, and that includes Broken Arrow. So a Broken Arrow team beat Owasso. So a huge big-time victory for Owasso. Jalen Montanati and the Rams going out of state to pick up some big wins. And then there's a player that maybe not a lot of people outside of Katusa have heard about, but I'm really impressed by. This is the first time I got to really see him in an extended amount of time. I'd seen him a couple of times previously, but he, Titus Miller, 6'6", junior, Katusa. He scored 74 points in three games at the Port City Classic last week, and he is just... He got off to a bit of a slow start this year because he's wearing a face mask due to a broken nose, suffered when um, <laughs> he merged with in a show. He merged with a broken nose from a showdown with uh, Victory Christian's very talented six foot six center Chris Mason in a fall league game. So um, Titus Miller and Katusa Haver got some revenge last week in the Port City Classic. They beat Victory. But anyway, Titus Miller started the year with a face mask. And um, he is now just emerging as really a primetime player. Uh, he's getting comfortable without that face mask, getting more aggressive. He just had a tremendous Port City Classic tournament. Uh, although he did miss a shot at the end that could have won the game, but still that doesn't take the championship game. But Katusa was in the Port City Classic finals for the first time since 1996. You know, they host the tournament. And they mm-hmm. never won the championship in 57 years, so they came so close. But Titus Miller, he's a person that hasn't been talked a lot about outside of Katusa. But uh, remember that name. He is really emerging as a big-time talent for Katusa. So Brooke, you mentioned Broken Arrow uh, being undefeated, Barry. So, yeah, they're, they're 14-0 heading in, into tomorrow night's uh, big game. We're filming this on a Monday afternoon. Uh, how good are the Tigers? Well, they look really good. I got a chance to see them last week against Bartlesville and David Castillo mm-hmm. and Connor Dow, just the Oklahoma State signee. Connor Dow, just very efficient for Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow, however, doesn't rely on him to score 30 points a game. I mean, he could if they needed him to, but they've got some balanced scoring. Uh, they had four different players averaging double figures in their tournament uh, championship at the Shawnee Invitational. That was, again, very impressive. Had some really good competition over there, and they nearly lost on Friday night. Um, went into overtime. DJ Howell, though, hit a shot at the end of overtime. Great play. He's a very talented sophomore, and uh, he's a player to watch, definitely. So Broken Arrow survived the Shawnee Invitational. They've got four players who average in double-figure scoring in the tournament. Um, there's some nights when their starters will do all the scoring, some nights when they get a lot from their bench. So uh, you just can't focus on stopping just one guy there. So that that helps. Uh, and again, Connor Dow, he's uh, he's a player of the year candidate. I've, I haven't seen him play, Barry. What kind of player is he? He's just – he can do what you want him to do. I mean, he's very efficient. Um that uh, he's got a really good outside shot, but he can also take it to the basket. Just can finds an open teammate, just great team player. Uh, just really solid all around ball player. But, but a lot of people just know him for his shooting. Okay. I mean, just good solid all around player. So how do you see tomorrow night's game breaking down? Ah, uh, 
that uh, I'm going to go with Broken Arrow, but uh, I think it has a chance to be a tremendous game, obviously, if Parker Fredrickson can score 40. I think, uh, and he could, definitely could. He, um, I think Bixby's got a shot. Uh, Parker Fredrickson, I he scored 43 in one game last week at the Roper Invitational. It was against the Memorial JV, but before you scoff at the Memorial JV, because it's a JV team, Memorial JV went two and one at the Rogers Tournament. <laughs> So speaking of Memorial, blockbuster game Tuesday night, hail at Memorial. Memorial had to go into overtime in the season opener to beat Hale. So this is the rematch. Hale's 15 and 2, Memorial's 12 and 3. It's that's gonna be quite a battle. What so tell me a little bit about this Hale team, Barry. I was I was kind of looking up and down the uh rankings before you and I went live and I was uh, maybe I shouldn't be uh but I was surprised to see them 15 and 2 and uh just won't you tell me a little bit about the this Hale team yeah Hale hasn't been 15 and 2 since well I don't I don't know if they've ever been 15 and 2 actually I mean and they've had some good teams although it's been a while but they had some good teams back in the 70s and 80s but this is as great a start as they've ever had. They already set their all-time winning streak record in school history at 13, which got snapped the last week. They were without a couple starters and lost at the Fort Gibson tournament in the first round. Um, Cabron Lewis, one of the more talented players in the area. He's definitely a player worth watching. And uh, they've just, they're just a team that believes. Um, so, and they made such tremendous strides over the last couple of years. They only won one game two years ago. And then last year they got above 500, which has been a rarity for Hale basketball in the last 20 years or so. And this year they've just taken a, a big step forward. So Hale at Memorial, blockbuster matchup tomorrow night. Man, no kidding. There's, there's some good games tomorrow night. So, Barry, talk about the 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 type. Well, I was going to say the type of year, the the time of year it is. We're coming off the tournament week. It's kind of a, an important time of the season. Won't you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yes, for the large schools, there's only two weeks to go before the final rankings that are, are before the final rankings are released that determine postseason seedings and position and regional host sites and this obsolete method, out of date method that the OSSA continues to persist in using to determine its postseason pairings. Uh, they're stuck in the 1980s on that. Some people would say they're stuck in the 1980s on the shot clock too. So uh, it seems like a lot like 40 years ago when it comes to determining the postseason in the OSSA. Um, the final two weeks of the regular season don't count at all as far as determining postseason pairings, which is ridiculous. So it uh, drives a lot of coaches crazy, but that's the way it is. So two weeks to go before those pairings are set. And then in the classes before that, uh, 4A and 3A got one week to go. And A and B, they're set. No more games count for A and B. 
So it uh, that's why last week's tournaments, it was so important. Teams could really take a big step up or fall down. And uh, now, uh, of course, these regular season games take on added meaning these next two weeks. But, I mean, can you imagine a system? I mean, it's like the opposite of football where – the first games you play in the season have nothing to do. They may be some of the more high profile games you play, but they've got nothing to do with how you do in the postseason. As great as the mid first bank backyard bowl is between union and Jenks, it has nothing to do with postseason pairings, but uh, it's just opposite basketball games uh, that are played in December before some teams even get all their players back from football. They count big time. Whereas you, you know, the last two weeks of the regular season when you when teams are starting to peak and they've got everyone playing, those games don't mean anything. Have you asked about this, Barry? Why, why does the OSSAA continue to do, to do it this way? Well, apparently to them, technology hasn't changed over the last 40 years. Um, uh, they just say they just need all this lead time to set up everything. So, uh, I mean, it's like 40 years ago before, um, I mean, you had the voting before everyone was online. I mean, they're doing it, you know, gathering the coaches votes the same way they were doing 40 years ago. I mean, they're acting like they have to get votes the way they did 40 years ago. So. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit and uh, talk about some football. Uh, signing day is uh, ne- next week, right? Next week? Yes, it is. February 1st. It's signing day. There's the next football signing period opens. Uh, and of course, we had the, the early signing period in December. This is the more traditional signing day in February. Uh, what, what, who, who are you going to be looking at uh, next week? Well, a lot of still a lot of good players out there. Uh, who haven't officially signed yet, or some who haven't committed. It'll be interesting to see. As, uh, I hope everyone had a chance to read Bill Haston's column on Metro Christian quarterback Kirk Francis, who's number one in our all-world rankings. He's uh, So we'll see where he goes. That'll be very interesting to see where he winds up. And, of course, Union running back D.J. McKinney, is committed to Sam Houston State, wrote about him in a column last Thursday, as, along with Vertigris linebacker, the sack master Reese Roller, who's committed to UCO. And there are several others out there who are not committed, um, who got options, but uh, looking to see maybe what type of late offers they might get. What did you think of the uh, the Paul like a lot of Bixby ball pl- like a lot of Bixby players, <laughs> for example? What did you think of the reference in the uh, to Kirk Fran- uh, Francis to uh, Paul Smith in uh, in Bill's column? I like it. Yes, I can see a lot of similarities. Definitely. It, I mean, it's it's baffling to me, Barry, in, in this day and age that someone can be that can fall through the cracks like that. I mean. We saw this a few a few years ago with with Josh Jacobs, and we've talked about that at length. But I mean, you like Kirk Francis too, right? And this, I mean, Bill wrote about it, and you've liked him all year long. Why, why is why is some college not snatch this kid up? What's the deal? I don't know what goes through the minds of some recruiters. I like I've liked Kirk Francis for ever since his sophomore year. Thought I mean, there's some players you just 
feel they've got it. They've got the it factor. He's been one of those ever since then. So uh, it seems like I've had him rated higher than about everyone else ever since the side lead Metro to the state championship in 2020. So um, I don't know. I mean, you see so many cases. There's always a few cases of this every year that just drive you crazy. I remember um, back in two late, Around 2008, I guess, after the 2008 season, again, one of the top 10 players I have on my all-time high school list that we had on last week's podcast, Sean Jackson and McLean, um, you know, Tulsa uh, had to be practically begged and their arm twisted to offer him a scholarship. And then he winds up being their conference, uh, conference player of the year, one of their best defensive players in the last 15 years, at least. But there's someone in their own backyard in McLean who uh, wasn't offered a scholarship until the very last moment. So no matter who the coaches are, I mean, it's just not something that is on a specific coach or coaching staff, but um, it just sometimes puzzles you when you see a player who you think, hey, he's obviously can play. He seems like he's got the physical tools. I mean, sometimes players aren't offered that you think they should, but you can say, okay, they don't like him because he's way too small in their view. So, but and some players, there just doesn't seem to be a reason. Like Kirk Francis is not small. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the arm. He's got everything. So, um, yeah, it is baffling why, or why Josh Jacobs, I mean, it was incredible why he wasn't offered before he was. I mean, you go on and on through the years. There's instances of players who get overlooked, at least until the last moment for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Barry, why don't you catch us up on uh, All World? That process is still ongoing. I know you're you're knee deep and all that. Why don't you kind of catch us up on that? Yes, a lot of people have been asking when is the All World football team going to be released, or when are the All World teams going to be released? And I can say, finally, we've got an answer. February 11th, the All World football team. February 12th, All Tulsa World All State football team, and then the rest of the fall sports All World teams will follow the on the 13th, 14th, and 15th. Uh, are you still accepting nominations? Should coaches get with you, or are you, you closing that down? It's never closed until it's published. I think I've heard from almost everybody, but I know there are some coaches who haven't connected with me yet. So if they haven't connected with me, yes, I'm still open to uh, nominations uh, for players. to. Now, our final, the only thing that's closed is we've already selected our finalists. But um Everything else is open. And of course, we'll uh, we'll have our awards banquet in the summer, uh, as we always do. Details on that coming later. And uh, we also have our Bill Knight Athletes of the Week in uh, boys and girls basketball, wrestling and swimming that are ongoing. Uh, and send those send the weekly nominations to you on that, Barry. Is that right? Yes, uh, you can send them to me. And when I talked about all world nominations, that also goes for the rest of the fall sports, too. As far as it's still, if for some reason that we haven't connected with the coach, um, whether it's for volleyball, softball, cross country, yes. If you haven't heard from us about this process, please send me a nomination. Barry.Lewis at TulsaWorld.com. Uh, also, too, Barry, uh, we mentioned Bill Hastings' column earlier on Kirk Francis. I also want to remind people. Uh, 
Bill did a really good interview with Bixby coach Lauren Montgomery on his podcast uh, last week, uh, the Bill Haston podcast. He had a good, what, like 40 minute or so conversation with Lauren. It was real good. Uh, I got a chance to listen to it over the weekend. Lauren was, was it, it's pretty good to listen to coaches talk in that sort of setting. The season's over. They're a little more relaxed and they kind of talked about some non-football stuff. Uh, anyway, it was a good interview. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Barry, what else, what else is on your mind? Should we got more going on or should we leave it there for this week? Well, um, I guess as far as the high, as far as the high school scene, that's all. Uh, of course, I'm also covering ORU basketball and what a season they are having. The men's team, 17 and four, as well as the TU women's teams having a great season. And they've, uh, of course, that'll be covered on other podcasts. But uh, anyway, there's a lot. There's some exciting college basketball being played in this area. So um, that's also been interesting to follow. So. Uh, um, and for as ORU is concerned, if you haven't seen Max Aismas play yet, you've only got five more chances, only five more home games. So, and what a career he's had at ORU. So um, I'd urge people to go out and check out Max Aismas and the ORU Golden Eagles 17 and four. It's quite a, they've off to an amazing start. Right now, at this point of the season, they are playing better than the Sweet 16 team was of two years ago at this point. Really? Okay. All right. All right. Well, you can check us out for free on Google, Apple, and Spotify. We appreciate you checking us out. Uh, Barry and I usually come at you once a week, Monday or Tuesday. Uh, So Barry, appreciate all the knowledge and we'll catch up next week. Sounds good.